Um, I want to start by, by kind of starting with the, the reality and then the, like the connection to God's word and then the application. We'll go through all of it. But first and foremost, what I want to start with, you might have heard me say this before, but um, this is really good for you to, to think about in your life, okay? Your life is made up of, your life energy is made up of three basic elements. If you're a note taker today, you might like to take notes today because this is one of the ones where you're like, oh, there's good wisdom inside of this. But your entire life is basically made up of three things. Your, your life is made up of attention, time, and money. Attention, time, and money. That is what makes up your life force, okay? Okay. And here's what I mean. Attention is basically like your focus, your interest, what you set your mind on to, onto. But also the interesting part of attention is kind of like it wraps in your talent as well. So as you kind of have different giftings and talents that flavors your attention. Now, also you have your time and this is just the hours, the minutes, right? This is what you, what you put out throughout your life. We all have a set amount of time that we're burning through every single day. But then last we have our money and I need you to get this. All that money is, is it is a system of exchanging and storing your attention and your time. Did you know that? All that money is, is a system that you can use to store and exchange your attention and your time. That's what it is. It's just an easier system to use. So I have some symbols for us today so you can get this, okay? First of all, we have our attention. And I tried to thought, what does attention look like? It looks like focus, right? And I look really cool with these glasses on. These are my friends, Mike's. These are actually safety glasses because his attention isn't just about being details. His attention is about having skills to operate machinery and such. So his attention, when he puts on the glasses, when he gives his focus, it's usually environments that are safety related. But you have your, your focus, what you put your attention on. You, of course, have your time. All of us have time that burns through our hands daily. And then, of course, you have your money, which I was really stoked because we sold some stuff this week, friends. We sold some extra stuff. We had construction stuff. So I was like, I just happen to have $200 cash from the church right now, which is awesome to be able to use. Yeah, isn't that good? Thank Brandy. She, uh, she does crazy stuff. And I'm like, can you put this on Marketplace and see if anybody would want this? Um, but what you do throughout your entire life, let me just show this to you, is you exchange these three things for each other. This is, this is literally everything. Maybe you guys have thought about this, but I think it blows my mind when I think about this. When you go to work, what you do is you go to work and you, you give your focus, right? Your focus. And you give your time to your company. And then by giving them, here, here's my focus and here's my, my time, they give you money. And you exchange that for them so you can have your, your money. Then you take your money and you would go and spend it on stuff. Like, what's interesting is you get your money, you're like, yeah, it's Friday night, it's awesome, let's go out to dinner, let's have a good time, and you go out to dinner, and then what you do, this is really funny, is you take your money when you go out to dinner and you give it to the restaurant in order to save some time where you don't have to cook and in order to get some of the attention of someone who's a better chef than you are. You pay for their attention and you pay to retrieve your time. And you're like, there you go. I just gave it and got it right back just that fast, right? When you go to school, okay, if you are in school, anybody in school currently, adult, kid, yes, school, okay, you are giving your time 
And also, very often, your money, correct? Anybody going to school and you're like surprising how expensive school is, right? Your money, and get this, when you go to school, you give your time and your money, and the goal is to make your attention worth more. It adds value to your attention. The glasses get a little thicker, right? It's worth more when you put your attention on something because you exchange that through school. When you go home at the end of the day, like, I'm just tired. I just want to sit down. I just want to watch some, some Netflix, right? You paid your subscription, right? Which isn't it just going up again? Isn't Netflix going up again or something like that? Before long, you're like, what in the world? You pay your money to Netflix, and then you sit down and you give Netflix your time, and the hope is that the little bit of attention that you give to it, it brightens your day. It makes your attention better. You're like, I feel better now, right? I, I have a better mindset because I, I got to relax for a few minutes and do this. In fact, exercise. Here's a really good one. Exercise, that's where you would give your time and you would give your money very often to be able to be in a gym. And the focus is not only for you to be like, I feel better about myself, but also, you know what I'm really looking for when I do that? I'm looking for you to give me some of your attention, right? I'm looking for other people to give me some of their attention because I look good now, right? I put on the shirt, like looking better. It's all in exchange. Everything we do is attention, time, and money. And you just use these things over and over and over again in your life. In fact, here's a really easy way to remember it. Attention, time, money, ATM. Like an ATM machine. Attention, time, money. It's the ATM of life. It's what you spend over and over and over again. Now, here's why I wanted to talk about this. Many people, I believe, go through life just exchanging these things to be able to survive, right? You exchange your money for this. You exchange your time for this. You exchange your attention for this. And we're always just kind of switching these things, expending these efforts in order to be able to survive. But it can feel exhausting, can't it? Can it feel like a rat race where you're like, I just get enough money, and then you're like, give all the money back to buy some folk, and you're like, okay, then go back to give all that back so I can get this. And it's just like, man, it can feel exhausting of like, it just feels like I can never hold on to any of this. The moment I have enough money, I have to exchange that money for something. The moment I have a moment to myself, it's like, well, I got to do this, and right? And it made me wonder, is there, is there some way that instead of just spending these things, we could invest these things that make up our life. There's a difference between expenses and investments. Um, I'm sorry, look, if you're like, I'm not dumb, okay, but just real quick, humor me for a second. Expenses are things where you, you give something away in order to just kind of maintain your current existence, right? To be able to just maintain where you're at, to continue along where you're normally at. But when you talk about an investment, it's different. An investment is something where you give something away, and the whole hope is that in the future, it's going to actually bring returns back to you. In fact, the goal of investment would be that you would give something away, but it's not just to be like, so I can continue on today. The goal is someday in the future, this is not only going to return to me, it actually might bring back more than what I put in it at this time. What if there's a way that you could actually be investing your life energies? Instead of just spending them, what if you could invest them in a way that would actually bless and return into your life? Because I would love if we as the church were more an investment mindset than an expense mindset. Now, 
in general, that might interest you. But let me just also say this. If you are a Jesus follower, I think this is actually a responsibility. It's not just like that would be nice. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, Paul talking to the Corinthian church. In it, he was actually talking about sin, but he says this and get it. He says, don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Now, although he was dealing with sin, you can apply this in understanding of going, if we're a Jesus follower, Jesus has forgiven me of my sins, and now I actually live with a different mindset because I'm bought at a price. He already kind of bought me back from the sin that I had in my life, the destruction I really, really earned in my life. So now I need to be conscious of how I live my life. In fact, I'd say if you're a Jesus follower, what it kind of puts you in is the perspective of in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, in the olden days, they would, they would call people a steward. And that's an old word we don't really use anymore, but what would happen is a steward would be given money and would be given authority by a king. And then the steward would utilize what was not his in order to be able to bless his life, but also as an investment to be able to bless back the king. And it's kind of like that for us as Jesus followers, that if you've been rescued by Jesus, now you don't just kind of live by your own dictates, like do whatever you want. It's like, actually, now I think I have a responsibility to live my life in a way that's honoring of the one who bought and paid for me. It's a responsibility to use it well. I actually believe that God, in his word, points to at least three. I could find three. Three ways that we could actually invest our life energies instead of just expending them. And if we got to this, if we actually started thinking this way, I believe that you could begin investing your life energies and they would bless you back time and time again. Is anyone interested in learning about investing today? Yeah? Do you want to not just expend your life? You're like, I would gladly love if some of the energy I put out would circle back and bless me again. That's my goal for these three weeks. So this week one, here's what I want to talk to you about. The first place I see in God's word where you can invest your life energies instead of expending them is community. In fact, I could say it this way. Sharing your life with a community is actually a wise investment. It's actually a wise investment. Now, for most people, okay, when it comes to their attention, their attention is focused solely on themselves, okay? In fact, for most people, they kind of put on the glasses and it's all just what's right in front of them, right? Just like what is critical to them, what makes the ends meet, what gets to what's next in their life. And all of the attention is on themselves, on trying to make the money, manage the time, but... Paul says something fascinating to us as Jesus followers in Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Check this out. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Love one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Look at what this says in verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. 
Verse 4, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Let's break down this verse for a second. It's kind of cool. The first four sentences he makes, they're not actually questions. If you look at this in, in Philippians 2, 1, he says this, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? This isn't like a question. He's not asking like, do you think? This is a statement. Like it's when you ask a question that the obvious answer is yes. He says, is there encouragement from belonging to Christ? And it's like, absolutely. Yeah, we have a measure of courage that is almost impossible to understand because of the fact that Jesus has chosen and forgiven us. He said, is there any comfort, you know, from his love? And you're like, yeah, absolutely. When we experience the love of Jesus, we find a measure of comfort inside of ourselves that otherwise is impossible. He says, is there any fellowship together in the spirit? And this is, he's like, you know, if you're a believer and they're a believer, is there a bond? And it's like, absolutely. If we both met Jesus, we both love Jesus. It's amazing how much of a bond and how much we share with each other by experiencing this. And he says, are your hearts tender and are they compassionate? And obviously it's like, it's like, yes. What I need you to get is all four of those. Those aren't questions. He's like, this is what happens to your life if you're a Jesus follower. You grow in encouragement, you grow in, in love, right? Not only that, but he says, you know, you have this, this fellowship with people around you, and actually your hearts get more tender. Man, that is my life story. My heart was so hard before Jesus, so hard before Jesus, and then I met him, and he just naturally softened my heart to the place where it actually became tender and compassionate. He says, okay, so if all that's true, get this, I need you to agree to love each other, to work together. He says, I need you to change your focus. Don't be selfish and trying to impress others. Because in all reality, this is how everybody normally works. This is what most people's attention is actually on, is how can I make myself more important? How can I really, really manage my life in a way that's like a blessing to myself and impress the world around me to stand out, to stand above everybody else? But he says this in verse 4. Actually, if you could put it back up, I would love that, of verse 4. He says this, don't look out only for your own interests. That's what most people do. Attention is on how can I look out for my own interests? How can I take care of my, myself? He says, but this, but take an interest in others too. He says, there's this amazing place if you're a Jesus follower that you actually have this opportunity to take your attention instead of it just being on yourself, that your attention can actually spread out to envelop other people around you. Other people who belong to your community where you're actually not just concerned about yourself, you have concern for them. You don't just care about yourself, you care about them. You're not just walking forward like, ah, attention on everything that blesses my life. You're actually interested in the people who are around you too. It's different. That's really different. Not only that, but when it comes to your time, God's word actually says something different about your time too. I don't know about you, but what's, what's the number one uh, response you get if you ask somebody how they're doing? Busy. Yeah, it's busy, isn't it? Always? How you doing? Busy. Just busy, right? Everyone's so busy. And the thought is like, right, like we have like no time 
In fact, when I talk about like investing your time, it's like, yeah, man, I got to figure it out, right? Like I got I to gotta cut down stuff. I got to find life hacks. How are the life hacks? I'm going to brush my teeth while I poop and I'm going to eat my breakfast in the shower, <laughs> right? How can I save five minutes today? Because I, I need, I, there's no time, right? But it's fascinating because the writer of the Hebrews, when he encourages the church, he doesn't talk about this idea of like, you got to make every last bit of every minute count. You don't got any time left. You don't have any to be able to, to share, right? Focus up. He actually says this. This is cool. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect, excuse me, our meeting together, as some people are doing, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's interesting because when we talk about like time management, people are like, yeah, I need to get motivated, right? I need to get motivated to manage my time well. And he's like, actually, what I'd love for you to do is to, to motivate other people. So they're just focusing on motivating yourself. Could you motivate others? And they're like, yeah, I have no time. And he's like, right. And there are a lot of people who are saying that. And what they're doing is they're removing themselves from being around other people because I got no time. I got to get this stuff done. And he's like, actually, for you, I need you to make time to spend time with other people. And you're like, yeah, that sounds great if I had a bunch of extra time, right? But you don't understand how tight my schedule is. But you know what's funny? Did you see why Paul said this? He literally says, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He actually says, there's not that much time. So you need to get together with people. You need to spend your time with people. You need to invest your time into community so you could actually motivate each other. It's amazing, this thought of your time, instead of it being something that you, you hoard and you protect the idea of sharing it with those who are around you. But also our money. I told you money is literally just a store of these other things. And most of us spend the majority of our life always thinking there's, there's never enough money, right? There's never enough money. There always needs to be a little bit more. It always seems like you can never quite have enough. You got to be have a frugality mindset because it's scarce, right? But Paul says something different to the people who had enough in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 18. He says this, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. He says this, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Now, real quick, you're like, that's great. If I know any rich people, I'll tell them about that, right? Don't let yourself off the hook so easy. Let's go back and let's look at that generation's idea of rich. Also, to be honest with you, pretty much a whole portion, the majority of the world still to this day, where what Rich was defined as is, is you have enough to eat and you have enough to keep a roof over your head, and then you're so rich, you still have extra money that you get to decide what to do with. Like, that's when they're talking about rich. You get that, right? I get in our culture because of what our American culture is. Most of you would never define yourself as rich because of what we have, right? But what they were talking about is like, you were able to pay the bills, right? Put food on the table, keep the shelter over your house. And then you were so rich, you had more money that you actually got to make decisions about how to spend. 
So maybe we reframe for a second. We're like, ooh, maybe I'm not off the hook of considering how I would apply this verse to my life because even if you're just kind of making ends meet, very many of us still have some expendable income. He says that for them, instead of stockpiling the money to protect their life, instead of stockpiling the money to make themselves richer, he said, you should use this money in order to do good works. You should always be ready to share with others. It's amazing. He actually says money is an opportunity to expand the borders of your community. And some of you might be like, okay, well, that makes sense, I guess. Christianity is all just this self-flagellation, right? Like, give away your attention, give away your time, give away your money, be poor, right? You just got to follow Jesus. Your life is going to suck, but you have Jesus, right? I guess that's what this whole Christianity thing is about. But that's not it at all. You know, what's interesting is in the very next verse, he explains what happens if we live this way. He says, instead of hoarding the money, he said, what if instead you thought about being ready to share in generosity? And here's what he says the response is in 1 Timothy 6.19. The very next verse, he says this, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Do you get this? He's going, oh, no, 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 this isn't an expense. This is an investment. When you walk into generosity, right, you're actually storing up that for a future day. This isn't something where you just give it away. This is an investment into your future. I need you to get this. The Bible, instead of pointing, pointing to hoarding as the solution to like, we never have enough. So you got to hoard your attention. You got to hoard your time. You have to hoard your money. It points to sharing as an avenue for investment. But the reason is not what you've often heard. How many of you are parents? Parents, what up? Anyone sleep last night? No? Good. Awesome. Um, how many of you have heard or said this verse? Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. I've, I've said it before. Sharing is caring. Not according to the Bible. Not according to the Bible. Do you know what the Bible says sharing is? Investing. Sharing is investing. It says it's not just about caring. There's lots of verses about caring. But specifically when we come to sharing, it's not just like, well, you should care. He actually says, no, no, no. There's something way bigger than this than you would expect. Sharing is investing. You're storing up treasures for your future when you do this. When you give away portions of your life in sharing, actually they're going to come back and return to bless your life again in the future. Now, Jesus one time told a story. I'm going to tell you this story. It's really interesting. Everyone who was listening to it was probably really surprised because he tells a story about a bad person and then gives a good application. Really cool. Bad person, don't be like the person but good application. Do the application, okay? Luke 16, in the 1 through 9, tells this story. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. That would be like a steward, okay? One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, well, now what? 
My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I will have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. And he asked the first one, how much do you owe him? And the man replied, well, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. And the manager told him, well, take the bill and quickly change it to 400. You see what's going on? And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man, I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat. He says, here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800, right? The rich man, get this, what he says, had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. He come back and he's like, this is actually pretty smart, right? Like, I should have just taken the books away from you if I was firing you, but I left it there. And you have the right to manage these affairs. Pretty smart. In fact, Jesus says this, it's true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. He's like, you, some of you people, you're Christians, and it shows, right? Like, you know, in a good way, but he's like, you guys aren't the ones who do this stuff. And like, that can work sometimes, right? He says this, here's the lesson, not be like the man. That's not the lesson. He says this, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. I love the fact that Jesus, he doesn't leave this up to chance. He tells us, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. And then, get this, is sharing caring? Is sharing caring? He says, here's the reaction. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. He says, once again, actually, while you're here on this earth, you're, you're given this stuff. And he said, actually, I need you to get this. What you should be doing is thinking about using your stuff to share and bless others. And it's not just because like you need to care because you're a Christian. He says, actually, this is the wisest form of investment you can make. In fact, someday in the future, when you don't have that, you'll actually have people who will gladly pour back into your life. And not only that, but in the long run, especially for you, Jesus followers out there, he said, you will have the potential to be welcomed into an eternal home, which I wholeheartedly believe. That means that then because of us using our resources to not just miserly hold it to ourselves, but bless other people, you're going to have friendships that are going to turn into friendships into eternity where you're going to see people on the other side of heaven and you're going to be there with them. You see, get this. For us as Christians, instead of using our money to build collections, and that's what most people do on this earth, they use the stuff they have to build little collections around themselves. If you love like knickknacks, things in your house, that's a collection. If you love clothes and you, you stack them up, collection. Sports memorabilia, collection, right? Guns, collection. Even experiences. You can be the collector of the experiences. I went here and I went here and I went here. And people will utilize their money in order to build a collection around them. If you are a Jesus follower, Jesus says instead, what you're actually supposed to do is you're supposed to use your money to build a community. Not to build a collection, but to build a community around you. 
A community is a a group of people who have the similar values as you, people who you share your life with. And the reason why, again, isn't because like, well, you should care. It's not. It's because people are the wisest investment you can put your money into. He's saying this is a wise investment that you can store. Get this. Think about it. You can store your wealth in other people's lives. Think about it that way. Instead of piling up all this money, instead of piling up all this attention and focus, instead of piling up all this time, you can push it out to the people who you love in your community and you store the added value you have in their lives. So it blesses them and then you build this community where they bless back. Do you see how like mind-blowingly smart that is? The idea that he's like, you you can't stack up enough money, but what you could do is you could utilize what you have to bless and serve people, build a community. And in a moment when you don't have enough, in a moment when you can't solve the problem, you have a community of people who will gladly gather around you and serve you. In fact, real quick, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but when I hear people sometimes say, I have nobody, the first thing that comes to my mind, because I've been around long enough, isn't the fact that that person is a victim, it's that they are selfish. Usually the reason why people have nobody, and I mean, outlier situation, someone can prove me wrong, there is a situation that proves me wrong. I'm saying 99 out of 100 times, if you meet somebody who says, I have nobody, do you know what's actually at the root of that? Selfishness. They have never given their life to anybody. They have never served and built a community around them by being generous with their time, generous with their energy, generous with whatever they have and sharing. Because I'm telling you, if you do this, communities form around you. You have a moment and you have a weak time, a hard time, and people naturally are like, I want to help you. Why? Because we're in community together. When you listened to me, when you gave me your time, I'll gladly give you time back. You, you took me and you shared with me part of your life, and I would gladly share back what I have in mine. It's this wise investment. Now, it is important it's a real community. This doesn't mean that you just randomly invest your life into random people. It needs to be people that have this relationship. And in fact, the first church understood this so good. In Acts 4.32, after Jesus left and the first church started, get what they said they were marked by. Check this out. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that, they, that what they owned, look this, was not their own, so they shared everything they had. This community of people who believed the same, had the same Jesus, followed the same values, what they started to do was the lines of what was theirs and what was their friends begin to blur and come down, and they begin to share what it is they had. If I may, we have lost some of this in the Christian church as the church has gotten older and as the church has moved westward. As the church has gotten older and the church has moved westward, we've isolated ourselves to the sense where we've lost some of this dynamic of understanding that not everything that comes into your hands is maybe just for you, but what if instead we're meant to have this sharing mentality of what we have, not just to give away to everybody, but to give away to the community that's around us, to invest it into each other. Because I'm telling you this, when we do this, it really is an investment. In fact, 
I found this verse a number of years ago, and it always blew my mind because, look, when you think about the value of what we have and trying to be wise with it, God actually points to the fact that in generosity and in sharing, we can multiply the value of what we have almost instantly. There's this cool story where the people in Jerusalem are struggling And he sent news to the church and he said, some of you guys, you have more than enough. And again, what I'm saying, like not rich people, like, oh, those rich people. Yeah, they got tons. He literally just said more than enough. You can feed yourself. You can clothe your kids and you still have some left over. Some of those people literally cannot make ends meet who are our our Christian brothers and sisters, these other Jesus followers. And he says, I want you to, to decide what it is you can give to be able to bless them. But it's so cool what he says in this verse, 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 14. He explains what's going to happen when they give, when they collect it, and when they give it to these other people who are in need. He says, God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Look at this verse 12. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace that God has given. Check this out real quick. Verse 12 says, two good things will result. He says, this is what's really cool. You're going to give, they're going to receive, and you're both going to praise God for it. Like, think about it. It's like, I have $200, right? And if I keep that $200, I can praise God for that $200. But if I give that $200 away in generosity, I praise God for the $200 that he gave me in generosity, and the person who receives it praise God for the $200 of receiving it. And he's like, 200 just became 400 in God's economy. How amazing is that? The generosity and sharing just multiplied the value of what you had instantly. Some of you guys have felt this where someone's been generous with you and like it's even better than just having the money yourself. It's like them being kind to you and giving to you, sharing with you their life. It multiplies the value of the experience. And then again, I know you're like, Cameron, you're all on this, but I'm telling you, this will change your mind. Again, sharing isn't. Sharing is. Listen what he says. He says, you do this. And then verse 14, and they will pray for you with deep affection. He says, you're going to give because I said you should share. But he says, again, it's not just like you should care. He says, here's what's crazy. You're going to give. And then those people, because of your generosity, are going to start praying blessings over your life and believing that God will do even more for you. He says, it's not caring. It's again, this is another investment. You share, they begin to pray for you in ways that you would never pray for yourself and blessing flows back into your life. It's an investment. You're not giving that away as an expense. You're investing it. And he's like, it'll come back around to bless you once again. Listen, I want you to stop spending your life and I want you to start investing it. As I said, your life is made up of attention, time, and money. And instead of just spending these things, what if you thought about how you could invest them 
And one of the first places we see in God's word that we can invest is into community. Again, another way I said it, sharing your life with community is actually a wise investment. Here's my questions for you today. Maybe you even want to jot them down. You want to think about them as you go forward, okay? Is your attention only on you? Nobody wants to experience this today, but but this could be really good for you. Are you selfish? Like, is all of your thought and concern just on you? I don't want to hurt your feelings, but like, think about that for a second. Is there any way easier to give yourself a narrow life than it just, it's, it's all about you? Or is it possible that you actually have concern? Because what if you could take your attention and you could spread it out from just you to some of the community that's around you? Like, think about it this way. Do you just pray for yourself or do you pray for other people? Do you actually have in your heart concern for other people where when you go to pray, it's not just, oh, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. You go, God, help so-and-so. God, please help them. My heart hurts for them right now. I know they're dealing with this. God, would you please move in their life that you actually have concern for other people? Do you share your time with a community? That's question two. Are you creating space for friendships to encourage other people? Again, no time, no time, no time. And God's like, no, that's exactly why you need to invest what you have into community. You know, it's fascinating. Over the years, I've noticed this with um, men. We're really great at this. Um, we don't ask for help. Very often we do a project and it takes literally 10 times than if we just had one other person who could help us. And if we just ask one other person to help us, we get it done in 10 times shorter of a time. And then I could help that person with the next thing they have and we would still be free like eight times the amount of time that we did. Ah, I don't don't have time. I don't have time for that. It's like... no, 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 it's, a, it's an investment. It actually is this wise way we could utilize it. Do you make space for friendships? So often, I don't, have, I don't have time. Listen, this is actually one of the reasons why we love teams at our church. If you've ever wondered about all these different teams that happen, it's one of the great ways that we actually serve each other. One of the great ways that we serve each other is in a church, as a community, is by joining a team at our church. So you show up and people who can run sound, run sound. And people who can sing, they sing. And people who can greet, greet. And people who can make coffee, make coffee. And people who can set up and tear down, set up and tear down. People who can watch kids and teach them about Jesus, do that. And the whole idea is we give our time to each other every weekend. When you come here, it's like, right, you guys didn't have to spend years and years and years of study and then 12 to 16 hours writing this, I just give it to you in 30 minutes. There you go. I'm going to give you all that time. And for you guys, as you come in, as all these different people serve, we give each other our time because we really do believe like, this is the best thing I could do is to just invest it in people I care about. Here, here, let me serve you today. Let me open the door for you today. Let me give you some of my time because I really do believe this is the great place that we can invest in. Lastly, this is what I, I kind of wanted to lean into to kind of finish because I think this is so countercultural. What has God given you that you can share with others? I believe that it's time for a revolution in the American church of sharing. 
I believe that the church needs to re-embrace this culture of sharing. Our skills, our times, our possessions, that instead of using these things, miserly holding them together to build some sort of collection for ourselves, instead investing them into community. What if you could take on a little bit of that mindset of the ex church where they said they looked at all they had and they thought, it's not my own. What God has given me is to bless the community I built around me. Like I said, not just giving away to anybody. That's not what the Bible's saying. Not like, yeah, just sell it all, give it away to random people. There's other verses that talk about wrestling with generosity. But in this, he's saying, you know, the community you have around you, can you look at your life and think, man, if God's blessed me with this, how can I share it with others? How can I be open-handed with what he's given me? And then take the next steps and thinks about how you can, you can give it away. In fact, some of you are like, I have nothing. I have nothing. And just listen to this guy. It was fascinating. He's a super uber investor and all this, has billions of dollars. And I thought it was so fascinating, like the timing of God's interview with this. Because the guy asked him, he says, well, what would you do if you just had $100 a month? And he says, $100 a month in any market won't get you anything. Like basically, like if you have $100 a month extra, and you're going to try to find an investment for it. He's like, it will never add up to anything. He's, if you had $100 a month extra, he says, do you know what I would do? I would take people out to dinner every single month and I would build a community around me. He's not doing this from the Bible. He's doing it from just realizing as a businessman who's built billions of dollars. He says, if I only had $100, you know what I would do? I would just bless people and build a community around me because he said, I guarantee those people have the knowledge or the wisdom or the opportunities that would make you $1,000 a month extra or $10,000 a month extra. And by building the community, you would find those avenues that otherwise you wouldn't on your own. Some of you, you think, I actually have a lot. I have a lot that I could share, but where do you start? I mean, do I just go up to someone and be like, hey, Dave, mi casa es su casa, right? People don't want to do that. In fact, I'll give you the secret. If you are blessed where you, you have a lot and you think, I need to consider how I could share this. Actually, Benjamin Franklin came up with a solution a long time ago. He said, if you move to a new neighborhood, you don't know everybody and you want to develop rapport, you don't walk around and tell everybody, I got a lot of stuff, you can borrow it. He says, they'll never come to you. He says, you what you do is he says, you go to some of your neighbors and you ask them all to borrow small things. You go and you ask them, hey man, we just moved in and I can't find the salt shakers. Could I borrow a salt shaker for tonight? Sorry. And he says, you don't even need the salt shaker. Take it back home and you bring it back and you say, man, thank you so much. You did me a huge favor. You know what, man, I owe you. I owe you one. Man, anything you need, man, it's yours. I I'm glad to share anything just like you shared with me. If you have a lot where you think I need to share, actually what you need to do is you need to start asking small little shares from other people and you find the people that you can share with and you build the community. And it blesses. Man, it blesses and it circles around. I've seen this in this last year with Builders Church as men have circled around and women have circled around and built together. I've watched as I see them loaning tools to each other, loaning equipment to each other. And you're like, how cool is that? Look at it. Everybody just got richer. Everybody just got richer because we started to share with each other. Because before you didn't have a drill, you didn't have a backhoe, you didn't have a whatever, chainsaw. 
And now look at everyone's richer. Everyone has all these things simply because we formed a community and we began to share. I'd love to pray with you for a second. Friends, pause for a second as you close your eyes and consider what would happen if we did this. If the church began to embrace this, here's what I see in my mind. I see a world remarking at the generosity and the community of the church. People who don't yet believe in Jesus going, wow, do you see how the church just shares generously with each other? That must be nice. God, I pray for anyone right now that they're working on this. I pray that you would cast away spirits of um, lack, spirits of fear, spirits of, of holding on, and instead you would create the spirit of generosity. I pray, God, that you would, you would spark a spirit of sharing inside of our hearts and that that sharing would truly make us richer because it's an investment and make others richer as well. I pray, God, today that if there's any here who they don't know you yet, that even just this conversation of generosity would connect them to you, recognizing that's who you are. Jesus, you're the one who was so generous that you come and laid down your life in our place, that you gave to us before we could ever give to you, and then you call us to come follow you. And maybe there's someone here online right now, and they don't have everything figured out about their faith, but they just say, that's what I want, Jesus. I want forgiveness. Man, I want a fresh start. I want to follow you and try to figure out this life. Maybe even right now, you would just pray in your heart, Jesus, forgive me. Make me new. Become the king of my life, and I'll follow after you. And I pray right now, Jesus, that you would just bring healing to hearts. You would cast away shame. You would bring relationship to you, and you would begin to walk them down the path of truly loving and following you. God, make us more generous. Make us sharers. And help us as we invest in that to really bless our lives and the lives of others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.